<laughs> Typically, I'd go in with our standard intro, Mr. Corey Walsh, but today I cannot do that. I am highly excited about this victory that we just experienced. Man, welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. It's your boy, Mac. Joining me today, my friend, my co-host, Corey Walsh. Right after a 107 to 90 victory over the New York Nets in game two. Corey, how you feeling right now? Pull out the victory parade because the Cavs are going the distance. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But great game nonetheless. Great response from the boys. This is what we are looking for. This gives us hope because, you know, going falling 0-2 is a tough uh, ladder to climb especially for a team with that is in playoff tested. So it's nice to see that they can respond like this. Punch, counter punch, man. That's exactly how I describe what we just saw. The Cavs got punched in the mouth in game one and they got embarrassed and they came out in game two and just gave New York a big old fat dose of their own medicine. It was awesome to see in all facets all these different keys to the game that we had talked about leading up to this series the rebounding the play off the bench the Darius Garland aggressiveness and assertiveness it was all present tonight and they were all answered and heading into game two I was a little nervous I'm not gonna lie I was not feeling as if the Cavs were going to be able to step up to the plate in regards to the rebounding because they haven't been able to do it all season long against New York. But, man, I was pleasantly surprised with the heart and hustle they shut out. Now, I will say, and as you probably noticed too, the first quarter um, did not exactly start off the way that we wanted it to. Uh, Isaac Okoro um, pretty much – pulled himself out of the game with those two early fouls, and they just never really looked back after they replaced him. There are a lot of different things that happen in this game that we'll cover. But I got to ask you, Corey, right off the bat, just based on what you saw from Karis LeVert tonight, this is probably going to be the biggest question moving forward for this series. Karis LeVert played 40 minutes tonight, gave you 24 points, four rebounds, three assists, shot nine of 16 from the field, and even better, four of nine from three-point range was a plus 23 on the night do you insert Karis LeVert into the starting lineup for the rest of this series I feel like I'm leaning more towards Jetty Osmond getting the starting nod for the lineup just to keep that punch off the bench because New New York's bench is still I I don't care how poorly Quigley has been playing or how bad (laughs) Toppin's night was tonight but and Josh Hart didn't have the same performance he had last game, which was going to be a hard the stat line from the match. But I, I feel like if you remove Karras from the bench, then the counter punch the Cavs can have with uh, our bench is going to be really hindered because that means we're going to just turn to Danny Green and Jetty Osman. And that was pretty much the only bench players who got legs for that game and the Coro didn't really step on the court. And I don't know if I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that I think if a Coro doesn't get the starting nod, I don't see a reason to keep him in the game. If come on, come on. Oh my God. Coming off the bench because he's as far as we've seen in this series, he's definitely not drawing gravity because they're just openly leaving him like in his own zip code without anyone being near him. And he's not really taking the shots. I was, I felt like he was kind of tepid 
in the first quarter of this game, even before the two fouls, there was an open three he passed up to just cut in and then pass back out. And then there was a pass that he could have caught off the a pass from Darius right around the dunker spot and then just put it up, not necessarily for a dunk, but he had an open layup and he just caught it, brought it down, and it just felt like he wasn't in the right mentality for this game. So it made a lot of sense that JB yanked him. It was just very odd that the first man who got called off the bench was Jetty Osman and not Karis Levert in his stead. So that's another reason why I'm kind of leaning that they might lean towards Jetty as the starter over Karis. Honestly, I guess I wasn't expecting that, but I love that answer just because you didn't necessarily get Jetty Os. Well, you didn't get Isaac Okoro rather for pretty much the whole game. He only played three minutes tonight and they decided to replace his minutes uh, in a couple of different ways. Again, Lavert played the bulk of them. He got 40 tonight. Jetty Osman did play 23 pretty big minutes, although he didn't hit a ton of shots from the field, just two of nine on the night and one to seven from three-point range. He did play some decent defense. And the big appearance tonight that probably is going to get a lot of people talking, although he only contributed three points, was that of Danny Green. Man. Corey, I got to admit, bro, I did not think we would see Danny Green suit up this early in this series. Um, I thought they may have went with Lamar Stevens for more of the physicality that he brings to the table, but I definitely understand, and I love the fact that he was J.B. Bickerstaff, and we're going to talk about him in a little bit too because people have been shitting on J.B. all season long for a lack of adjustments, rotation, all that shit, and he pulls Danny Green out of his bag super early how'd you feel about the Danny Green minutes uh initially I was wondering what JB had before the game because (laughs) I was watching Danny Green once again look like the slowest man on the court which I know everyone and their mother has all said that about Danny Green during his Cavs tenure yeah but you know, I got to give credit where credit's due defensively for Danny Green. Even though his footwork is a lot slower than you would like it to be, he was still doing a, a, a half-decent job of keeping his man in front of him and showed good displays of defense tonight. There were times, obviously, where Brunson was a- easily able to blow by him, but weirdly enough, he had some possessions against Randall where he actually showed some defensive versatility, and obviously the shot's always going to be there for Danny Green. It's just so automatic. I mean, minus, he could have, it really should have been six points if he didn't step out of bounds on that one corner three. But, you know, having that offensive gravity in the corner is something that's valuable. And I guess in JB's mind, having players like Osman and Green who are better offensively than they are defensively, not that they're both terrible defenders, but they're definitely not to the strength of a Coro. So two offensive players are better than one excellent defensive player who, frankly, is not providing the same offensive threat that we were seeing during stretches of the season this year. Excellent response, my friend. Now, Danny Green, I I want everybody to keep this in mind. Although, you know, he was acquired, um, you know, at the, in the buyout market, it was never given that he was going to be in the rotation. It was seriously never given that he would be playing minutes, meaningful minutes in the playoff rotation. This was more so just the shot in the dark or Kobe Altman, in my opinion, just purely based upon what Danny Green can bring to the table from veteran leadership standpoint and the fact that he's been there and done that. This motherfucker has 100 
factoring in tonight 166 games total of playoff experience. He has shot a career 38.9% from three-point range in the playoffs. Absolutely just love the fact that JB was unafraid to roll the dice, especially after many people were calling for a Lamar Stevens. I, I mean, we I think we were both asking ourselves, should we see some Hal Neto out there? Should we see some uh, some Lamar Stevens out there just to try and ramp up the physicality because those guys can be pests, especially when it comes to uh, playing on Brunson because Cavs, although Brunson didn't necessarily have the most efficient game one, I think he was 11 to 24. Um, there were certainly key pivotal moments in the game, which he was able to get a shot over. And that honestly carried over into game two, but the Cavs were able to clamp down on pretty much everybody wearing a New York Nick uniform. You talk about Brunton, although he chipped in 20 points, five rebounds, six assists, the Cavs held him to five of 17 from the field, Corey, and one of eight from three. And one thing we know is that New York is not a good three-point shooting team. They suck ass <laughs> from three-point range. But they get all those damn second-chance looks. And the game started off kind of similarly to game one where they were starting to do that as well. But for anybody who's not seen this already, I'm going to point it out to you because I couldn't believe it. I could honestly not believe it. The rebound battle. The Cavs won the rebound battle tonight, 36-43. to 43. That, that was a key point, as we said, heading into this series. The Cavs had to win the battle on the boards, specifically the offensive rebounds. Now, while New York did win 13-11 to 11 in that regard, the fact that Cleveland was able to win that battle by a margin of seven to me speaks volumes after being obliterated on the class 51 to 38 in game one. So that is my that's my number one takeaway from this. How do you think they were able to crash the glass uh, tonight? What did a switch flip? Was there like some physicality that was is it something mental? Is it just people needing to go out there and hustle? How do you think they accomplished that tonight, Corey? I actually feel like I'm going to probably pivot from what the narrative might be. I think that the reason, the only reason the Cavs, I feel like the effort was pretty much the same for the Knicks. And I think the Cavs kind of stepped up their effort amongst the guards. I think our bench had, I think green had four rebounds. Jetty had six and Levert had five. And I think that was a big improvement over the last game. I think our guards kind of were lackluster, but actually I feel like the only, the reason that the numbers are probably better for us versus New York is frankly mm-hmm. that New York was missing a lot of their shots and the, the Cavs were frankly hitting a lot of theirs. <laughs> I just think the Knicks are a really good rebounding team. And I don't think losing to losing marginally to them on a night to night basis in the rebounds is going to kill us. Cause as long as we're efficiently shooting the ball, that's obviously not going to be a problem. But I would also point out that uh, the Knicks just they're they're built to get boards. I I highly doubt that for the majority of the series, the Cavs are going to do this. I think that I also don't know if the Knicks offense is necessarily going to look this bad because the same way the Cavs just adjusted in game two, I expect Thibodeau and the Knicks to kind of counter adjust in this next game. I mean, the Cavs defense, I know you probably we're going to talk about JB's adjustments later, but they really just shook up the Knicks offense entirely. It went frenetic very quickly. It went from playing at their pace of play a lot slower. I felt like the Cavs ramped up their pace and it kind of forced the Knicks to match it. And there was a lot of turnovers too. 
I think the Knicks had 17 or 18 turnovers in the game. Cavs yeah. didn't really necessarily convert on a lot of those, I felt. And I think that I don't see them kind of doing that in the next game either. I, I, I'm very interested to see how these coaching matchups kind of dictate. But in the long answer, I, I for your uh, rebounding question, I just – I feel like it was a great game for the rebounding. I feel like mm-hmm. it might be a byproduct though of how poorly they shot the ball. Cause I still kind of didn't feel like we were dominating the glass in the way that it kind of felt like statistically, I feel like they were still getting second chance opportunities because that's just the way that these players are mentally. And while I saw Mobley get a few second chance opportunities for the Cavs, and that was nice to see, but and it's nice to see the guards step up. I still feel like the mentality of the Knicks is going to overpower the Cavs on a mostly night-to-night basis. I mean, when I look at this, the box score doesn't lie to me. I mean, they held them to 37% from the field tonight. And I think it was 42% in game one. Now, the thing that comes to mind to me is, first of all, New York is not some like hot shooting team. They 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 do not convert on a high number of their looks. They just generate a ton of looks because they're able to go out and grab those second chance uh, points via the offensive rebound. They get a ton of looks like that, and that's why they're one of the higher rated offenses in the league. It's not necessarily that they're some sharp shooting team because during the regular season. I want to say New York ranked either 20th or 21st in overall field goal percentage. I think something like uh, 47%. That's what they have it listed as. Um, And game one and game two both really came down to some stellar-ass defense by Cleveland. I mean, this is a team that has now held New York, one of those one of the better offenses in the league, to 101 in game one and then 90 in game two because they were able to put these shackles on these guys. I mean – Every single goddamn one of them. They they shut down Brunson, 5 of 17. They completely obliterated Julius Randle, again, 8 of 20 from the field. Props to Mobley. I can't wait to check out that stat line because prior to tonight's game, um, uh, regular season and game one combined, Mobley had held Randle to 11 of 34. So I can't wait to see what tonight's game adds to that because it'll, it's going to – most certainly drop that percentage down even worse by uh, even worse from Randall. And it wasn't just Mobley either. Jared, Jared Allen was definitely getting after him. Um, you even pointed out a couple of possessions where Danny Green wasn't afraid to, uh, to bang bodies with them. And then uh, I do have to ask that play at the end for Jared Allen. Do you think that was a, that was a little over the top? Cause I, I was kind of feeling like they should have pulled Jared prior to that. Yeah, I feel like both teams probably should have pulled their starting lineups within like at the four minute mark. I was kind of surprised it dragged on as long as it did for both. And I was even more surprised that JB made the adjustments, but then left Allen out there. I'm like, we really (laughs) couldn't have just given like Dean Wade the uh, like the center trot out. Like, it's not like we're going to be exposed for two minutes and lose the game or anything. Fuck, it's Sam Merrill out there. (laughs) I I just, I was confused. I don't, obviously, there's not a, single ounce in of doubt in my body that Mo that Alan intended to do that. Yeah. I feel like we all know the type of guy that Jared is. And this was the dude literally knocked over Jalen Brunson on one of the hardest screens that was, was legal and still picked him up and was trying to make sure he was okay before he secured the rebound over his corpse. <laughs> so I, I think you can never, I there, there's one player in the league who's, 
intent and character I'll not I'll never question for being like menacing. It's Jared uh-huh. Allen. This dude is like the furthest thing from a vicious player. He's <laughs> there is no dirty player in him at all. Like he just all hustle and he's gonna give it his all to the end, and that's exactly what he did. And I will acknowledge that it was a kind of a dangerous play. Uh that you know, I think they pointed it out on the TNT broadcast. That's very similar to how Julius Randle got hurt in his rookie year. Um, so I'm I'm glad he's okay because I one, I don't want that as a use. Uh, used as an excuse for New York fans to bitch about. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> and number two, I want to beat them at full strength because, I mean, this is exactly the series that we were promised so far. Physical, tough, brutal basketball. It, it has that old school feel to it where there's just so much um, so much physicality. You saw all the guys diving for loose boards. You saw a whole bunch of, ple- uh, a whole bunch of players falling down, chasing after one another. It's just absolutely gritty basketball. And this is by far, in my opinion, been the best series, um, you know, since this postseason started. That's where I'm at with uh, with the level of physicality with them. But one thing that also stuck out to me tonight was the fact that the bench, man, the bench was actually able to contribute something. And I think when I say bench, I really probably should just point out one player. And that is our boy, Karis LeVert, who, again, dropped 24 huge points in 40 minutes for the Cavs. How was Karis LeVert able to do this, Corey? What what was the big thing that stuck out to you about his performance? I feel like it was very apparent from the minute Karis LeVert stepped on the floor that he was put in to supplement or supplant Ricky Rubio's minutes because they had him as primary ball handler a decent amount, and Anyone who's watched Karis LeVert over his career knows that there's one thing Karis LeVert loves more than anything. It's to be in the driver's seat. (laughs) And he truly was in his bag doing his thing, starting to feel himself. But he also was really good at the catch and shoot three point opportunities as well. He's been showing two way play all year. So when the good defensive effort he's put in combined with a good offensive performance, he looks like one of the best players on the floor every game that that you get both sides of the ball and it just felt like there was not one shot he wasn't 100 percent confident wasn't going in i mean he was even if he was standing in the corner on a possession waiting for the ball to get kicked to him he was his hands were up he was immediately ready to just catch and shoot that thing almost immediately it was really nice to see my only concern which i put on twitter was <laughs> is it possible that karis Levert is doing so well that his ego might be his downfall in the rest oh. of this series because he looked good he was definitely feeling himself he was pulling up some mid-range jumpers again that i'm like karis i i thought we got rid of these so <laughs> yeah i mean i'm right there with you it's just like some of those nasty karis habits can come out when he's really feeling himself and i saw him like uh i think it was on the not the left baseline, but it was in the left corner where he got the ball kicked out to him and he was really starting to dribble it up, really starting to pull something fancy out of his bag and just miss the shot. And I'm like, bro, look, you got it going on, but let's not let's not go overboard here. 
Um, yeah. Just keep in mind what the Cavs need you to do. You need to be the tertiary offensive option here. Now, like it's nice on the bench that you can be this primary ball handler, but we're not giving you the ball just so you can huck it up as many times. Like if you're going to take Ricky Rubio's <laughs> minutes, it's so you can also dish it out as well, which that was Donovan's role tonight, apparently. So good for uh, Karis for not having to do that responsibility. So we can focus on his true passion, which is putting the ball in the basket. Bro, Donovan Mitchell has 21 fucking assists in two games. Like, if you were to ask me, if you would put a gun to my head and say, hey, Mac, is uh, who's going to lead the Cavaliers in assists through two games? It seems like a playoffs? pretty positive gunpoint conversation. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mac, how are you doing? <laughs> Just ignore the weapon at all, but whatever. Corey, <laughs> it's on brand with who I am. I'm positive, dude. <laughs> yeah, but I'm the one asking. <laughs> You're like, huh? So you're putting the gun to my head. Jeez, that's that's brutal. You're my own co-host. Um, no, I hate to break it to you like this, <laughs> especially over live video. <laughs> um, if you were to ask me that, I would absolutely not have selected Donovan Mitchell. Although we know Donovan is perfectly capable of being a playmaker, he has that in his bag. But 21 assists, I believe, that is fucking ridiculous, bro. Like, especially in a game where Darius Garland has it going on and well, didn't have it necessarily going on as a playmaker uh, in game one. And maybe that's a little understated because one thing that really stood out to me was that Darius actually had 13 uh, potential assists and he was putting guys into positions to score in game one. They just weren't knocking down their fucking shots. <laughs> um, so he only got one assist in game one. He, he chipped in seven tonight, but for Donovan to go out there and, I think what what really happened here, because I believe that in and let me know if you feel the same way. I think there was an internal discussion after game one, after Donovan took those 30 shots. I think there was some type of discussion that went on about getting DG more involved, about getting him out there and be more aggressive. And Donovan took a back seat tonight. And I absolutely love that because I was screaming from the rooftops before this game started, like, hey. 30 shots for this motherfucker, that's just too much. Uh, And I get it when he goes into hero ball mode. We've both talked about this ad nauseum. But when he gets into hero ball mode, it's more successful more often than not. But when you look at why it is that he has to do that, the why behind it is what is really brutal for the Cavs. Uh, When the offense starts to stagnate, when the Cavs don't often appear like they have it going on, when Darius Garland just looks like he isn't confident enough to – to pull up or drive to the paint. Um, it, it's just big time to me that that Donovan recognized that he needed to get his guys involved in getting Darius the ball early and often. That that was a huge deal for me. Um, when you look at Darius Garland's stat line of 32 points and seven assists, uh, what stands out to you the most? I feel that it was more like the stat sheet matters less to me as much as the eye test of seeing Mm -hmm. the confidence that he had. And yes, it basically tapered off in the second half, but it was timely points. I feel like when the Knicks felt like they were kind of crawling back, Darius kept on just slamming the door in the face of Tom (laughs) Thibodeau being like, you better call another timeout because this, this run is not continuing past this three pointer. He definitely could have probably scored more. I think it was just a case of having his pulse on the game he knew when his moments were required. He The whole first half was a huge buoy to the entire team. I think he had 26 and the team 
had below his point total. But at the end of the day, uh, Darius had a great game. I really was happy with what I saw. I don't need him necessarily to be a facilitator. I just, I think the Cavs are at their best when he is like, his hands are all over the game. Like I know Donovan is our star player. He's the one that we seem to rely on when nothing else is working, but Darius was this guy for us last year. And he proved to us time and time again, that he is capable of doing it. I think in game one, we saw just too much Donovan on the ball and the shot attempts were, bother like they bothered me a decent amount but also the lack of uh Darius also being on ball bothered me a lot it kind of felt like Darius was put to the side as like a catch and shoot type of player but as good as Darius is at that these days he also is a player who you'll benefit greatly when he is heavily involved with the ball handling and decision-making and he gets Donovan better opportunities too. Donovan's able to create dribble separation pretty easily, but nothing's better for Donovan than just being, having to catch and shoot and pull up from where, however deep Donovan feels <laughs> like it. So I think it's a good reminder to the team that, Oh yeah, Donovan's great, but you know, who is also could be equally as great at times is Darius Garland. So maybe we should try to write some more plays and sets up that focus on him as well. I think that's excellently stated. And Darius Garland just went out and said, you know what? I'm going to remind, remind all you guys why I'm an all-star caliber player. I'm going to go out and let you guys know that, you know, there is more than one scorer, more than one dog on this team. Um, and I absolutely love I mean, I, I love the fact that Mitchell recognized that he needed to defer a little bit more tonight and kind of reverse those roles. Because if we've come to learn anything about Donovan, it's just that he can really, you know, get get a shot going whenever he wants. And he seems to be he might be the only player on the roster that has that green light to just uh, pull up from anywhere, um, even DG included. I don't know if JB is uh, chomping at the bit to allow some of the shots that Donovan takes uh, when he's pulling off some of those heat checks. Uh, we actually saw a few of those in game one that kind of pissed me off <laughs> from Donovan, but uh, I think he's the only player on the roster that truly has that leash. Uh, but it was it really was great to see DG go out and perform. Now, I will say he wasn't the most efficient from the field, uh, especially in that second half. He uh, Overall, he was only 8 of 17 from the field, but he, he did drop in six to 10 three pointers. The big thing that stood out to me in regard his, in regards to his performance though, was the amount of free throws that this man generated. He generated 11 free throw opportunities and he knocked down 10 of them. Uh, one of the things that I noticed as I was researching game one, Corey, was that, um, you know, Don, Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson both outpaced him in drives to the rim. And uh, I think I want to say that Jalen had 19 and Donovan had 15 and Darius was down there towards 10. And the crazy thing to me was just that uh, Darius actually ranks within the top sixth in, in the league this year in terms of drives. And it's, it's one of the biggest parts of his game because one, he can either get to the line that way or two, he can drive and kick. The Knicks did a wonderful job of taking that away in game one because they clogged the paint, right? Like they, they, they forced, uh, Isaac Okoro and Jetty Osman and a few others to to take the three ball and they just we all know how that went they just weren't able to knock it down and so DG's uh, GV's drive game just was not as effective 
Um, I can't wait to to take a look at the stat line for it tonight, but I would have to think that that was that number probably greatly improved based upon the number of free throws he was able to take tonight. Um, I say all that to say, when in terms of uh, assertiveness and aggressiveness, do you think this is the DG that we will see in Game Three? Maybe not with the volume turned up all the way that we saw in the first half, but this performance more equally dispersed amongst a whole game. I could see mm-hmm. that being the format. I don't know if I expect Donovan to be playing Robin to uh, Darius's Batman in this game going or in other games going forward. I feel like if anything, it could be a co-driver of the bus situation. But <laughs> at the same time, um, I feel like Darius needs to be this in order for the Cavs to have a chance. We can't just have like Donovan and everyone else just going along for the ride. I feel like it stagnates the offense too much. And I know friend of the pod Jackson doesn't like when I say it, but (laughs) Mitchell and the Mitchettes is not the best form of Cavaliers basketball, no matter how enticing it is to watch one player dominate and crush the soul of one team. Cause In the playoffs, you can do that all you want, but the playoffs are a team effort. And when four other guys are just turning into cast members, like background, then it's it's not playoff success. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm right there with you. I agree with you. It's just like hero ball can work. It mostly works in the regular season. But when you talk about a playoff environment, um, I am of the mindset that teams are okay with Donovan Mitchell doing that more often than not because that means they're forcing other guys to step up. And you're you're really betting on somebody else to play a big game, whether that's DG or that's Evan Mobley, who we're talking about here in just a second, or Isaac Okoro to step up knocking down shots. Um, I think teams more often than not are happy forcing the Cavs into playing hero ball with Darius. Oh, not Darius, but uh, Donovan. So, yeah, you, you you absolutely want to have more of a team-based game. Uh, moving forward, I'm hoping that the Cavs can continue to spread the ball around like they did tonight. It's just an excellent energy around the ball. But one of the guys that I just mentioned here, Evan Mobley, 13 points, 13 rebounds, a pretty efficient 6 of 11 on the floor, two blocks, two steals. Did you see a, a, a rebound? Uh, and not necessarily a, a a literal rebound, but did you see a, a rebound from Mobley tonight from game one? Uh, honestly, not really. I kind of felt like it was still more of the jitters. I felt like there were some weird possessions with him. There was that one in, I think, the third quarter where he was just – he took the ball at the – the elbow and just like fake passed it to like three people and then turned around and took a heavily contested jumper with no seconds on the shot clock, which was no one's fault, but his own when there were many different avenues he could have taken with it. I think he just wanted to like prove a point to Randall or something. (laughs) I could not figure out why that was happening. And I, you know, I, I get it. He's young. This isn't, it's not like offense is his strength in the first place. And I would expect him to kind of like work his way through it. Most of his opportunities that he converted on were Darius literally doing all the work and then giving him a wide open lane to the basket. Mm -hmm. Or he had like, he got an offensive glass and then he just put it right back in. But outside of that, I mean, he listened to what people were saying because his very first shot attempt was him trying to hook it off the glass instead of doing a nothing but net. And it, it was not pretty. But at the end of the day, like, what are you going to do? Evan's young. I'm not. He had a he had an impactful game 
on the defensive end for sure. And he was really good getting some second chance opportunities for the offense, but offensively still a work in progress. Yeah. The stat sheet can lie to you in that regard. If you're just looking at it, you're thinking 13 and 13 is not terrible, but there were definitely possessions at which you were left scratching your head at some of the, some of the things that he chose to do Uh, for the life of me in particular. I cannot understand this. Why Evan Mobley will try to go the physical route. (laughs) We'll try to go the physical route with the likes of Julius Randle, because frankly, Evan, you're just like you have packed on muscle, but you're just not there yet. Play to your strengths. Um, I, I, I'll give Randall that all day. He has that. But it hasn't mattered in terms of offense for Randall because Mobley has been able to, to shut him. Um, with that said, man, I'm just I'm looking ahead here at game three in Madison Square Garden. Oh, my God. That is going to be must-see basketball. If you had to give me a prediction right now, you think Cavs are taking game three? Uh, I feel like I'm interested to see what the counter is to the major uh, correction that JB did. I want to know how they react to get uh, Brunson getting blitzed off pick and rolls, which was definitely the number one defensive thing that I noticed JB adjusted on. It was kind of like, all right, we if we eliminate Brunson and then we rely the entire Knicks offense on Randall, and if Randall's not hitting his shots, who's going to step up beyond there? Because Randall's game wasn't necessarily the best either. Then I am very, very interested to see how if we eliminate Brunson entirely, in the sense that we're scheming him to get him pressured immediately off like dribble handoffs and anytime he touches the ball who's going to be the one to step up for the Knicks. And I think that's going to determine game three. If it, if, if Brunson performs the same around the same as last night, and we don't know the full extent of what's wrong with Randall to this point, but I would expect the Cavs pull out game three. I think it will be close. I don't think I'm not expecting blowouts on blowouts or any type of drastic swings past this game. I think both teams are very well coached. Uh, except for in last three minutes of a game where both coaches like to leave their players out to get injured. What the fuck is that? Like, uh, have you not learned anything NBA coaches about how, and they pointed it out on the broadcast. Yeah. Especially Thibodeau. You think with your uh, living example, whose career is shut down pretty much on your bench, you would be like, his career. You think you would look down the bench, look at Derek Rose and be like, Oh yeah, I remember what happened last time. Anyway, Randall, get out there. Stay. (laughs) I know your elbows split open like a freaking orange but go for it and he was already kind of gimpy coming into this series it's like uh you know you want to we know the reputation that tom Thibodeau has with his players he he grinds them into the ground that's kind of the stereotype that he has earned and it's well earned (laughs) but and you know we've seen this from jb too like there are a handful of games this season where i'm like dude get get jared allen the fuck out of there like i do not need to see a, a, another crippling injury uh, from, from another member of this Cavs fr- uh, core. It's just something that I do not want to see. Um, speaking directly in terms of some of those adjustments that JB made, though, like the, 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 the definite apparent and just obvious blitzing of Brunson that happened damn near every possession that he got. It didn't matter who the Cavs had out there, whether it was Levert, whether it was Jetty, whether it was Danny Green out there. They 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 made a concerted effort to force Jalen Green and not oh my god Jalen Green Jalen Brunson 
uh, to the left-hand side, I believe. It was just a masterful performance from from the Cavaliers players in particular. And then the trapping of uh, Mitchell Robinson. They were able to you know, trap off of some of those screens, which is a big-time killer in game one. I, I absolutely loved it. And that's that's one of the things that you have to do when you're kind of undersized. So those are two big uh, adjustments that JB was able to make. And I think the third one we all already know is the rotations that he opted to go with. So people, y'all been shitting on JB all season long. Make sure y'all give him his props. If you're going to be loud when you're chirping at him, be just as loud with your praise. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> um. All in all, I think Cavs will also take game three. I think they're going to split in New York, to be honest. Um, I'm still not I'm not going to jump ship here on my prediction for this series in particular and go to Cavs in five. <laughs> like uh, <our laughs> you going from seven to five is would be aggressive. Exactly. Not based off of one game. If they win in New York in game three, I'm going to say Cavs in six. No, you can't hop on my bandwagon. You can just say <laughs> no. I'm dropping that shit down a game. That's not how predictions work, game. Mac. They do over here. <laughs> I'm joining you over there. It seems comfy. Nah, uh, nah, my island's pretty packed. There's been some <laughs> RSVPs. <laughs> um, I I can't go the Cavs in five route. I because I just don't see New York going out like this. Like that. If they went out like this, that's just the. You know, after getting bitched like this tonight, they're 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 gonna come out and they're gonna have something to say in Game Three at their home. Um, so I, I'm I'm not gonna go that route yet, but I will say if they end up taking Game Three, then I'll drop it down a game. That said, like we always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at its Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to itscavalier53 at gmail.com, and we'll send you an invite. Have a good night. Go Cavs. Let's hopefully, hopefully we'll take game three. Go Cavs.